politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, our liberty, and our property here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz. Back today, by the way, Wednesday the 24th, and I will tell you guys, I know I promised I'd be back at the end of the week, but I just couldn't wait. I couldn't wait because there's too much to talk about. Um, also, we are going to go boating the whole day with the family on Thursday, so we're doing a little bit of a switcheroo. I told you guys it would be a little bit irregular, but I wasn't taking off completely. There's a lot going on. You know, today is the anniversary of the burning down of the White House, okay? This was 1814, August 24th, and that was actually the date. That was the date that... You know, America was almost destroyed externally by an enemy. And really, the British could have clobbered America during the World of 1812, the War of 1812, but that was it. They didn't do it. But now we are destroying ourselves. And we will only succeed commensurate with what we are willing to fight for. That is the lesson last night. You know, I'm here in sunny Florida on vacation with the kids. And yes, it was quite an ordeal going down 15-hour drive. Uh, We did it over two days. The two-year-old was screaming the second day. Boy, was that tough. But we made it. And it's the same day where we had primaries here in Florida. And I just want to share some amazing observations with you that demonstrate it's all about what you're willing to fight for. And then that's going to tie into our guest. We're going to spend most of the day with Tammy Clark, our senior industrial hygienist, who's one of our mask experts, that you know we haven't fought against the most illogical, immoral policy of our time, which is the covering of the human breathing. It's still not over with. Okay, it's truly, truly unbelievable. It's still not over with. And... Um, you know, I, I just don't know what to say. I couldn't even send my two-year-old to, to a doctor. I couldn't imagine. Oh, my gosh, that that angelic face they're going to put a diaper on? And this is where we're at. It has not changed materially, it, except that in most circumstances, you currently don't have to wear it. But if they want to bring it back, and in some cir- circumstances, you still have to wear it. So we're going to get an update on the fight over the mask. Um, Again, while I catch up on the news, I've been out of it for for a little bit. Um, I know there is a lot I'm missing, and I'm sorry. You could still follow me on Telegram at C19 Truth Bombs. I'm just going to be a little bit slow posting this week because, you know, I'm mainly with family. But did want to give you guys a little bit of um, an update throughout the week. And by the way, speaking of which, we're sponsored today by Patriot Academy. They put on the best four-day defensive handgun training you could ever get. So I took out my niece and nephew uh, yesterday. We went to the range, and I was able to train them. I would have never been able to do that had I not taken Patriot Academy's defensive handgun training. If you want to be as good as I am in drawing from the holster, uh, the proper stance, the proper grip, you know, we're talking about today being willing to fight for our supposed conservative values, not just believing in, in them in the abstract. And one of the things where we see this is with guns. We're all for guns. We all love our guns. Okay? But how many of us actually know how to use it properly? Especially a handgun. A lot of people are into hunting. They know how to use a rifle. But how do you win a defensive situation? So at Patriot Academy, they're having their next round of classes at the NRA Whittington Center in Northeast uh, New Mexico. The two dates are September 25th to 29th and October 2nd to 6th. Go to patriotacademy.com slash Daniel to find out the details on logistics. But it is amazing, amazing time. Beautiful weather, beautiful company, patriots together. Um, It's a lot of fun. You're going to be an expert at drawing from the holster, clearing malfunctions, uh, properly shooting accurately in a way that you're, you're, not, you're not just doing target practice, but 
but simulating defensive situations. Um, even if you know, you know le- very little about handguns with minimal experience, it doesn't matter. They start from the beginning, but you come out shooting like a pro. So again, that's patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. So last night's elections, okay? <clears throat> On the one hand, you had the good news that 25 out of the 30 school board candidates that Governor DeSantis endorsed wound up winning their primaries. Okay, amazing, amazing news. On the other hand, one of our real stars of the cycle, Anthony Sabatini, running for Congress in a district northeast of Orlando. We had him on the show last week. He lost the primary. And the difference is, in my mind, very simple. With school boards, we're finding success. Why? Because we're actually showing up. We decided to focus on it, and it's probably one of the most successful movements in recent memory. Also, another interesting thing connected to that is that the school boards were mainly run by the the official left, not the unofficial left, a.k.a. the Rhino GOP establishment. So the GOP is not so focused on it because they don't care, at least for now. So it's the left versus patriots, and we're flushing the left out of those positions. But for Congress... You still have Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell and that whole machine operating, and they dumped in a bunch of money against Anthony Sabatini, and they were able to win. And also, I don't know if he got, I, I, I don't think he wound up getting Trump's endorsement. I don't know if he got the governor's endorsement. Maybe it was too, too hot. But, you know, it's only people like that who are going to make a difference. So, much to my surprise, I thought he was going to win. He lost. And the lesson is you're going to reap the benefits of what you are willing to fight for. And to me, the reason why we are where we are in this point in history, and I say this very often, it's because conservatives aren't really all that conservative. We don't fully believe. And and we're going to talk about the mask. It's like, Did we push back against it with as much righteous indignation as the other side pushed it? It's funny, as we went to this gun range here in Palm Beach County, it actually said on there, no admission for anyone who wears a mask. And I was thinking, that should have been the mentality everywhere the entire time at establishments or in cities that conservatives supposedly control, but it wasn't like that. One of the things that caught my attention, this was, this came out last week. It's from NBC News. They had an interesting poll of college students. And they asked them, are you willing to dorm with someone who voted differently? Okay? Or, or conversely, the question was, were you unwilling, unwilling to, to room with someone differently? of Democrats said, nope, I'm not, I wouldn't be a roommate with someone who's a Republican. But the sentiment the other way around was only 28%. Only 28% of Republicans would refuse to dorm with Democrats. So it was almost two to one the other way. And again, like a lot of people on our side will point that you see, we're open-minded, and it's the other side that's they're fascist and, and unforgiving. But once it's like that, and we know it's like that, why is that okay? Why is it okay that our side is okay with being with pagans? Meaning, for two reasons. Number one, the fact that, you know, if they're going to be fight against us the way they do, we have to fight back with equal and opposing force. But moreover, this is not Tip O'Neill's Democrat Party anymore. So once they are like that, where they are repulsed by even the question that you might have somewhat of a godly person with godly values next to them, they want to run the other way. Well, how much more so we should run away from those that scorn upon God's word? I'm I'm telling you, I, I, I totally believe that poll. I could totally see it. 
the red this is why the red areas aren't as red as the blue ones are blue this is why conservatives put up with a subversive political party to supposedly represent them whereas the left they run a tight ship this is why we have almost not a single Republican that fully represents conservatism on a single policy issue, much less across the spectrum of most of the important issues, whereas for the left, they have a party where almost every single person, even from enemy territory, from red states, reflects their values on every single issue. And if there's a guy who doesn't reflect it on one or two, that guy is gone in two seconds. That's the imbalance we are seeing. Okay, and I I think this is really what we saw with COVID all along, where only one side adhered to their religious views. But the point is, what I'm seeing from the elections is, we will get what we are willing to fight for. We will secure and reap the benefits of what we are willing to draw lines in the sand and say no. See, the, the other side, the rhino side, they will not put up with our people. They will do everything they can to defeat us. They will root out any like Marjorie Taylor Greene type of candidate that they see coming on the horizon. They will pull every stop to fight them. Whereas our side not only won't fight them, but, but they'll be like, yeah, Daniel, I know they're rhinos, but we got to vote for them in the general election. We can't afford the rhinos. I want to I wanna share with you one more story um, before we bring on our guest today. This is from Cowboy State Daily. So last week we had the primaries in Wyoming. Okay? Primaries in Wyoming. And one of the good pieces of news we had there is my my buddy Chuck Gray, who is the leader of the conservatives in the House of Representatives there, he ran for Secretary of State, and he won statewide. It was a big deal. Okay? Now remember how I've been floating this idea of don't accept stupidity of a rhino dirtbag winning a primary, and somehow that's our only choice, a leftist and a leftist. We should run candidates as independents to appeal broadly, not just to the hard right, but to really everyone against the elites. And, and run them as an indie, unaffiliated, which is easier to get on the ballot than an official third party. That was my plan. We, we've developed it in a couple of shows, and I want to develop it further. So anyway, everyone's like, oh, Daniel, oh, that, that, that's not feasible. We can't do that. No one wants to try my idea. I'm putting all these ideas out. Try to switch primaries to state conventions, work within the party framework, their party rules within the state GOPs to do this. And, and, and nobody wants to think of other ideas. So the, the story, I catch wind of the story in Cowboy uh, State Daily. State Senator Dale Ka- Case from Lander said there is an ongoing campaign to find an independent candidate to run against Secretary of State Republican nominee Chuck Gray in the general election. There's a lot of interest in this case, said. To get an independent on the ballot at this juncture, organizers would have to get signatures from you know, over 5,000 electors. The number represents 2% of the total votes cast in the 2020 general election, U.S. House race in Wyoming. Case is supporter of State Senator Tara Nethercutt. Second place finisher in the race said he would be willing to help with this effort. So they're not taking this sitting down. I look at this and they're like, screw that. We're not going to have Chuck Gray. We're not going to have a conservative represent the Republican Party in a general election. Are you kidding me? That ain't happening. We're going to run as an indie. And I, I, I admire their fighting spirit. I was, I was texting with Chuck, and he's not so far he's not too worried about it materializing. But you see that they're not going to take this sitting down. Whereas our side, we're always like, whatever, I'll wear a mask, I'll get a shot, this is how it has to be, I'll, I'll vote for the rhino, it's better than the Democrat. Why do we have such low expectations? You will get what you're willing to fight for. And you build a movement around school board elections, we're, we're really succeeding. And by the way, my friend, uh, you might have seen him, he's a friend of Steve Dace as well. He was on Steve's show last week. Ryan Walters, he's running for he, uh, state superintendent for uh, education in Oklahoma. So he won the primary last night against uh, the teachers union Rhino. 
he is awesome. He will be the best, um, you know, kind of equivalent of Secretary of Education. It's an elected position there in Oklahoma and the entire country. Real patriot, Ryan Walters. So that was good news. So the education issue, we're really, really doing good on. That's the good news. But the bad news is, why aren't we doing that in other positions? And again, some of that's going to have to take the willingness to just say, screw you to the rhinos and say, we're not going to support your candidates in the general election. But I want to get to our interview today and our interview segment is sponsored by patriot mobile speaking of fighting with as much force as the left they boycott our side right they're like hey we're not going to use your stuff we need to have the same mentality boycott at&t verizon t-mobile spy uh spy mobile is what they are they're spying on your text messages patriot mobile is america's only christian conservative uh mobile provider they use the same towers, so there's no excuse for saying oh you know the service is not as great. If anything, they have an American English speaking uh, customer service hotline that you could always call 972 Patriot. Um, they're a pleasure to work with. And unlike the others who donate to vaccines and uh, abortions and everything else under the sun, the Rainbow Jihad, at Patriot Mobile, they, jo- they, they actually fund causes, you know, um, litigation for, you know, religious freedom, individual freedom. The Sanctity of Life, Family Values, Second Amendment. So go to PatriotMobile.com right now slash CR. PatriotMobile.com slash CR or call 972-PATRIOT. I promise you they'll speak English. Use offer code CR to get free activation. And if you're a veteran or first responder, please let them know because they have a special discount just for you because they value Patriots. That's why they're called Patriot Mobile. PatriotMobile.com slash CR. That's PatriotMobile.com slash CR or 972-PATRIOT. Stop funding those who hate you. We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org chosen. So now on to the main course for today. So we're talking about the fact that our side doesn't fight as hard as the left. I mean, this is this is the old news. And we saw this with COVID. We saw this diffidence. You know, one side was like wearing a mask was literally maloke, the holy sacrament. And our side was like, yeah, well, we should be exempt if you're this or that. And no, we are two and a half years into this. And it is the most illegal, illogical, immoral, and inhumane thing you could ever imagine. It, it should not just be permissible not to. It should be banned. It should be criminalized. People belong in jail for doing this. And now you might be rolling your eyes at me saying, well, Daniel, isn't it kind of over with? Uh, look, Fauci resigned, and, and they're on the run, and CDC looks clumsy. No, they're not. This is about a lot more than Fauci, first of all. Um, I think this is even more of a DOD CIA, you know, operation in terms of the creation of the virus. But it's a culture that has been created. All I could tell you is you tell me where you could see a pediatrician and not have your kid, kid, much less adult, wear a mask. I mean, healthcare settings, it's still there. And 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 this is in red areas, red areas. We have not banned it. We have not banned it at all. This is not over with. And the minute that things heat up again. Maybe it won't be quite as ubiquitous every place as the first time. But again, this is something that should be stamped out completely, banned, criminalized. And yet still, it's somewhat of a mandate in some places, and it's still lurking. In other words, the fact that this is immoral and inhumane, that has not been established in society. It's just been like, yeah, maybe for now we're done with it, or you you don't have to. This is our policy as of now. It is not over with. And with us today is one of the first people we had on, and, and, and it kills me thinking about how, how long ago we had Tammy on 
when everyone's hair should have been on fire, but it was only me and a couple other shows. And again, in red states, we were tolerating this back in mid-2020. Tammy Clark, she's one of the co-founders of Stand Up Michigan, a terrific organization that fought the lockdowns and COVID fascism. But what's unique about her is she is an industrial hygienist that actually understood um, hazardous protections and hazardous environments and the harm of wearing masks inappropriately and wearing PPE inappropriately. And the thing is, we've heard a lot from frontline doctors. Uh, Tammy and some of the others we've had on, Kristen Megan Kelly, um, obviously Stephen Petty, a few others, they formed, just like the frontline doctors, frontline industrial hygienists. Why this is important and why this issue is still alive and what we can do about it is what we want to talk about today. So with no further ado, Tammy, are you on the line now? Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Daniel. Yes, I'm here, and thanks for having me today. Wow, crystal clear. Okay, I'm impressed. Uh, You probably have a better connection than even I do here in my abode in Florida. All right, Tammy, let's jump right into it. Right into it. A lot of people are like, yeah, COVID, it's kind of stupid, this stuff. Glad it's over with. We're done with it. Why are we not done with it, and why are you still frantically working politically um, and scientifically the mask issue? Well, my colleagues and I, as you know, and we really appreciate the platform and the voice, two and a half years ago were sounding the alarm about this, and I thought there's just absolutely no way that they're going to require children to cover their mouth and nose and restrict their breathing all day long. That is insane. I actually laughed. When they started talking about doing that, I thought nobody in their right mind would ever do that. That's dangerous. Well, then they did. And this is really what uh, was the impetus behind me standing up and getting involved and and blowing the whistle and becoming an accidental activist. So here we are two and a half years later. While we have defeated a lot of these mandates around the country, it is really not gone. And what we're watching, what I was very concerned about was the flirting with this when you see government officials out there still recommending that you cover your mouth and nose when you're indoors. Uh, In Michigan, where I live, one of the large school districts in the state just a few weeks ago said that children were going to have to wear masks to go back to school. Well, there was a lot of pushback against that, so they retracted that. But what I have been suspecting and what I've been concerned about is that they're not dropping the masks. While they've dropped the vaccine requirements and they will not allow, you know, the unvaccinated to be discriminated against like the vaccinated. I mean, the whole, you know, jabbed or unjabbed conversation, they've redacted or retracted a lot of that, but they're not letting go of the mask conversation and the mask requirements. And even CDC with Dr. Rochelle Walensky coming out and saying how they've bungled this. She's admitted that the CDC needs an entire overhaul. CDC whistleblowers have Um, exposed a lot of the criminality um, and the unscientific mandates, and uh, they've also resigned at at an alarming rate. So we've got a lot going on, and even with all of this and the exposure and the narratives crumbling, they're not letting go of the masks. And if you remember, back in early 2020, the masks were the one thing that they implemented, and, and we blew the whistle on that because it's always the last level of control from my perspective in my career field, when you're attempting to control or mitigate disease spread, um, you always follow the hierarchy of safety and controls. We have to legally, and PPE is the last level of control. And our government skipped right down. They went right to masks, which are not even on that hierarchy. They're not even considered PPE. Um, So it's interesting that this is the one control measure that they have used that they have dug their heels in, they've doubled down on. Now you got to wear two masks. Three is better than two. I mean, and still they're not taking their boot off of our uh, necks with that. So when I started getting contacted a couple of months ago by legislators from around the country who I've worked with and testified with in some Senate committee hearings and things like that, um, and from attorneys that I've worked with on some of these court cases, and even individuals who've reached out to me uh, saying, Tammy, please help. My workplace just implemented mask mandates again uh, over the summer. I actually contacted my colleagues like Stephen Petty and Kristen Megan and Megan Mansell, uh, those who I know, you know, we've connected and we've been uh, fighting this fight together. And I said, listen, 
this is coming back. I have a feeling what they're going to do right after school starts. I have a feeling that they're going to bring these mask mandates back. Because if you remember last year, and I don't know if this happened all around the country or just in Michigan, one week before school started, they implemented mask mandates again. And parents lost their minds, but it was too late for them to do anything. So this year, what I was concerned about was right after school started. And we just started school here a couple of days ago in Michigan. So I'm kind of watching things closely and around the country. They're saying we have new variants. They're saying monkeypox is a threat. They're saying go get your polio vaccine. It's like they just can't let go of this virus, this pathogen narrative, trying to normalize it as something that we should all be afraid of. And we should all be living in fear and putting masks on our faces to prevent us, to avoid us from getting sick and lining up to take as many vaccines as possible. So obviously, looking back over the last two and a half years, we can connect the dots and see what this is all about. There's a way bigger picture and a much more nefarious intent behind it all. But but we decided we need to do something in a really big way to expose this once and for all, shut it down once and for all, and go after these people and demand that they are prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Because the injuries, the illnesses, uh, the permanent traumatic brain injuries that we have seen, the records that we now have of the harms that have been caused, particularly to children, uh, this is exactly what we were saying was going to happen if we did this. Now we have two and a half years of records, of injury and illness records, um, hospital records showing this is exactly Whoa. what happened. Well, I, I, want you, I want you to get into that in a minute with the harms, but I just first want to go back mm -hmm. to the fact that this is not over with. Okay, so one of the mm -hmm. things I've noticed is this drumbeat that not only haven't we see in most people in normal people's mind they think, oh, this has been repudiated, like it's it's insane, so we're not doing it. But in fact, it hasn't been, and they've normalized it particularly with the winter. I'm seeing a lot of statements that that these people put out almost like a human being is not fit to be indoors with each other in the winter without a diaper on the face. And that's my fear that they're going to maybe open school without it. I mean, first of all, there's still, I saw a statistic somewhere that there's 600,000 students in America still under a mass mandate, but that even the ones that aren't, a lot of them, they'll bring it back in the fall at some point and say, look, you know, with the flu going around and everything, um, they'll go back to saying it works for the flu, even though that was the originally when we knew it didn't work. Um, is that a concern that this is going, if we don't fight it now, that this is going to be like every winter they're going to bring this back? Yeah, that's exactly right. And that was exactly my concern and why we um, in our profession, my colleagues and I started really strategizing about what to do with this because we have got to stop this this year. Um, so, you know, you're a parent. My kids, every single year when they go back to school, uh, it's just a matter of about 10 days, uh, 10 days to two weeks, and they've all got sniffles and they've all got some sort of cold or a mild flu. It never fails. So every year when my kids go back to school, I start you know, feeding them vitamin C's, making sure they're getting a lot of water, plenty of rest, because it's just the way it is. This is life. We are all exposed to pathogens. We are all exposed to bacteria and viruses, and we need to be. The minute we stop exposing ourselves to the pathogens in the world around us, then our immune systems will become very weak. They'll take a vacation. They'll yes. become very weak because they're not being challenged. And then we're going to create a very sickly population. That's so actually a really important. good point. Wait wait a minute. Mm -hmm. I, I want to yeah. elaborate on that. This is – I've been applying the verse from, from Kings, have you killed and have you inherited? They inherit what they kill. So they create the problem and then they're like, hey, look what's going on. We need to, we need to you know, get more shots because the shots create a problem. So one of the issues we're seeing is that there is this evades. Whether it's the bubble boy phenomenon from kids being locked down for a while, whether it's that kids are getting the shots or being shed upon um, and the shots kill their immune system with these, these kill shots. So, you know, we are having these mysterious things, the hepatitis with the kids we saw. And and now everything is going to be magnified, whether it's bogus or sometimes maybe it's true. Um, because of all the things we've been doing to them, and they're going to use that as the pretext to, to bring back the mask. That's exactly right, and that's exactly what I've been predicting, 
And so I've been challenging parents to remember your kids get sick every single year when they go back to school. This is nothing we've ever even paid attention to. It's just part of the human existence. We get sick, our immune systems get stressed, then our immune systems are strengthened, and then we go about our business. No big deal. And we have strong, healthy children. We are supposed to be interacting with each other, breathing in each other's stuff, because that's exactly what strengthens the immune system and builds it so that we can tolerate sickness, we can come into contact with sickness, and most of the time we don't even develop the disease or symptoms of the disease we've come into contact with. Not a big deal. But when you isolate people, when you keep children from each other, when you keep children from other adults and out of society, it's the worst thing you can do. Any healthcare professional will tell you this. They know this. But the problem is then those children's immune systems become very weak. In addition, when you are restricting normal natural breath, when you are covering the mouth and nose, you are restricting gaseous exchange, and that really taxes the immune system. Uh, so we are creating by keeping people away from isolating, not allowing people to interact with each other, keeping our, our immune systems as a society strengthened and functioning normally and properly. We're also weakening our immune systems by covering the mouth and nose and restricting oxygen and restricting gaseous exchange. And so it's, it's a terrible situation, one in which we have created a very sickly population compared to pre-COVID when we were not all running around wearing masks. So I just keep challenging parents. Don't worry about your kids getting a cold or a flu. That's normal. It's actually good for their bodies and their immune systems. It strengthens their immune system. Yep. Just keep them home and follow normal health hygiene etiquette. Keep them home if they're not feeling well. Keep plenty of fluids in them. Give them their vitamin C's and D and zinc. Let them rest and they'll recover just fine. What is the big deal? Why are we suddenly so afraid of every pathogen in our world and every disease in our world when this is the way the world works? This is the way it's always functioned. So, and now we, we, we live in fear of everything, which also stresses the immune system and makes it all worse. Oh, that, that, no, that's, that's a good point. I mean, fear, lack of sleep. Yeah, these are all big things. Um, could you elaborate a little bit on the harms that you're starting to document? So obviously this audience is very well acquainted with the fact that masks don't work. It was illogical from day one. They certainly don't work. They're certainly very mm -hmm. uncomfortable. You know, I'm down here in the Florida heat and I'm just, I, I, I'm like, wow, I didn't realize it can get that hot. It's just, it's beastly here. <laughs> um, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So it's extremely uncomfortable. Um, one, one of the things I've observed throughout all this is that um, it, one of God's blessings is that he gave human beings the ability to adapt to th situations that if you weren't in it or before you were in it, you would think, oh, my gosh, like there's no way you could live that way. But humans could persevere. But the problem is you could use that blessing for a curse because you could take an evil, illogical, inhumane thing and get used to it as the new normal, which is what they're trying to do, grooming people into this, that this is normal human behavior so, okay, it's stupid, it's uncomfortable, it's it's cruel, but you're saying that, no, it, 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 it does cause problems. And we always suspected with breathing, or, you know, decreased oxygenation, increased CO2 levels. It, in theory, it made sense, but practically two and a half years later, what could you tell this audience that, that you've seen documented that possibly there are some long-term trends lurking in society that are, you know, will negatively affect human health, children's health for years to come because of this grand experiment. Oh, absolutely. So these are the things that really got me motivated and activated to stand up and get out of my comfort zone of just being a wife and a mom and a business owner and a consultant. And I blew the whistle out of fear for our children. Now, there's a whole generation of children growing up. So think about the children that have been born over the last uh, probably four years. They have no memory of anything other than everybody wearing a mask, including themselves. Uh, they, they have lived in fear that if they don't, they're going to kill grandma. And so the, the concerns that I had were the health concerns for them. Um, and there are many, there's many facets to that. So number one, we know that oxygen deprivation coupled with carbon dioxide buildup. And I don't care what any healthcare professional tells you, they are guilty of malpractice if they tell you that 
covering your mouth and nose and restricting the gaseous exchange all day long does not reduce oxygen intake. It 100% does. It also causes a carbon dioxide buildup in the blood, causes the blood to be uh, acidic, which is called hypercapnia. We know this. It has now been documented. We have the medical um, charts, the injury and illness records, and the diagnoses from emergency rooms and physicians to prove it. Uh, so what we have seen, the first, well, let's just, let me just lay this out there as foundational. The first signs and symptoms that the body is struggling to meet demands for oxygen are going to be headache, fatigue, irritability, and nausea. How many children, I'm just asking the parents listening, how many of your children have come home tired, grumpy, irritable, and very, very, um, well, just kind of a general feeling of malaise. You know your children don't feel good, and they're not themselves when they come home from school after being in a mask all day. This has been the number one complaint with children. And as a result of that, they have lost nearly two years of their education. It creates the inability to focus, the inability to comprehend, and it also creates, it can create long-term traumatic brain injuries. And we have seen this. We've seen the learning disabilities develop. We have seen traumatic brain injuries. There was one mom who testified here in Michigan just a few months ago. Her son, her teenage son, is on suicide watch because he has such intense headaches that has been diagnosed from prolonged hypoxia due to mask wearing, particularly during sports, playing basketball. This young man, like all the other kids, have had to wear their masks all day in school and then during sports. Here in Michigan, they were required to wear a mask playing sports. And this poor kid had been complaining of headaches along with his teammates, um, and he passed out one day on the basketball court. In the emergency room, the physician diagnosed him with a traumatic, permanent traumatic brain injury due to hypoxia, which is the lack of oxygen over a prolonged period of time. And he is in so much pain that he cries every day and he tells his mom he just wants to die. This is what has happened to our children. Now, fortunately, we have some great doctors here in Michigan who have become part of America's frontline doctors who have been willing to do telehealth, uh, like little Zoom conferences with children, and all they need to do is establish them as a patient and say, you know, why don't you want to wear the mask? And the kids all say, we watched video after video of these children telling the doctors, my head hurts. I don't feel good. I feel like I'm going to throw up. I'm really tired. I mean, testimony after testimony after testimony of these little children saying the same thing. Well, those are the signs and symptoms of oxygen deprivation and uh, carbon dioxide buildup. So when you have kids saying this, the number one thing that you are responsible to do is take off the mask. Take off the mask and let that child breathe. It is child abuse. We are suffocating our children, creating very serious, and that's only the physical health aspect, very serious health issues in our children. And many of these are going to be long-term because you cannot reverse learning disabilities or it's going to be very difficult anyway. You cannot reverse brain damage from prolonged oxygen deprivation. So this is a problem. This is a real issue. Parents need to recognize that they are complicit in harming their children if they allow this. They have to fight and defend their children. Your children rely on you. You're their only source of protection. So in addition to these physical health issues, we have seen um, mental distress and emotional distress, the mental anguish our children have experienced. We have had children as young as nine committing suicide here in Michigan. But so governor, some people will ask, how do you know it's from that versus the lockdown? Because these children say it. They mm. come right out and say it. I can't breathe. I can't breathe in this mask. And they've cried. The testimonies from parents whose children have committed suicide is heartbreaking. Some of it has been due to isolation, and some of it has been due to prolonged mask wearing, where the children cry, they can't tolerate it, they can't breathe, and they don't want to live anymore. And they've said, I don't want to live anymore. I can't breathe. I mean, it is absolutely criminal what we have done to our children. And even in the psychiatric wards and, and the um, uh, psych, psych uh, hospitals, these children can't get treatment. There's been a 26% increase in visits to the emergency room for psychiatric reasons, psychological evaluations due to children being uh, anxious, depressed, and it has all been caused by these terrible mandates over the past two and a half years. 
Um, so it, it's just heartbreaking when you listen to the testimonies. But now we've compiled them. There's absolutely no refuting the evidence. And it's sad to me because this is exactly what I was warning about two and a half years ago. So fortunately, a lot of parents did listen and they did fight for their children. They did pull them out of those schools and they did protect those babies and bring them home, homeschool them. And, and uh, you know, kudos to those parents for recognizing the dangers and recognizing their first responsibility is to protect their children. And so as we go back into school and I anticipate these things coming back, we've just re- we've just recorded uh, two days ago, we recorded a summit. It's a six hour long summit with professional expert testimony and presentation on the science behind masking, uh, respiratory protection, and control measures during a pandemic on proper protocols, proper protective measures that we have always relied on. For the last 70 years, we have relied on based on science, on evidence-based science that works. There is no reason to do the things we did. In fact, it was so egregious, it's criminal. And I'm, I'm calling for very publicly the full prosecution to the fullest extent of the law for these people who have committed crimes against humanity and especially the harm that they've caused to our children. Wait, so where could people find that summit? Because people are going to need this to bring to their school boards, to bring to their doctors. Where could people find this information? Yes, definitely. And that's why we did it. We put this summit together because we knew we needed to blow the lid off of this once and for all in a big way. So it is being edited, professionally edited right now. Um, and you can find it at Stand Up Michigan, all one word, StandUpMichigan.com, tomorrow, Thursday, August 25th at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. It will be released uh, for download, for sharing, and we are hoping that everyone grabs it, shares it, and uh, helps us to get the word out with the facts on this so that we shut this down once and for all. They're never again with the facts, the evidence, and even the legal information that you're going to hear. They won't never again. If we can make this go viral and we can start leaning into this and exposing it, they'll never again be able to do this to us and get away with it. So I, I want to talk about this at a legal level and a political level because I think we need both. Mm-hmm. You're talking about gathering testimonies. And by the way, folks, you can email me, Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com if you if you feel that you need help and maybe Tammy could help you. I will be a little bit slow on checking email for the rest of the week, um, but but definitely drop me a note. So, so Tammy, you're, you're gathering testimony, and this is what I'm confused about, and I want to use this opportunity to update our audience on a, a news item that, that some of you might not have seen. And just to, to understand the context of this, you know, in the past, if you would have said, hey, anyone with a wheelchair, you must not bring in a wheelchair here, and you must walk with your two legs, whether you can or can't, you shut up, you're going to do it. Um, you're going to walk in with your hands tied behind your back and duct tape on your mouth. Um, well, I'm a private ent- entity. I could do what I want in order to you know, come into my uh, pediatrician practice or – again, we have so many people that need a doctor, and, and most places they still require it. Um, you're, you, we're going to make it that you can't breathe. No, I mean we have ADA that you affirmatively have to accommodate things, much less not demand that people do things that are that are incontrovertibly harmful to their health. I just want – and you, Tammy, you might not have seen this. I'm going to read to you a story from the Daily Signal from the Heritage Foundation. Um, I just have this in front of me. This happened last Tuesday. In a split decision on Tuesday, a three-judge panel of the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals – this is a federal circuit – ruled that gender dysphoria is a protected class under the ADA. The court ruled that a male identifying as a female named Williams, who was imprisoned in Fairfax County, Virginia, should be housed with the female inmates even though he retains male body parts. Okay, so so they're saying that a male has, you know, a health right, a, a disability right to be housed with females which we already you know know the problem with that that's prima facie a danger and and you have to affirmatively accommodate that under the ADA's a federal court yet Tammy how is it that two and a half years into this okay and, and that's and that's um that's public we haven't even been able to get a ruling from a court on a public setting much less private that this violates human rights 
it's uh, it, I, my view, it violates the Fourth Amendment because the ultimate search and seizure of the human body, your breathing holes. But certainly, ADA OSHA. Um, I know we talked about this. There's even some. There's I saw a Congressional Research Service report on uh, the growing talk of OSHA regulating just certain heat-related environments. You know, if you have workers working out in the heat, again, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here in Florida, and I could totally understand it now. I've never been here. It's, it's the heat is very oppressive. <laughs> Um, you, you can't <laughs> yeah. do that to a human being, right? I mean, you can't. How is that legally that we're here? And can you give us a little bit of an update of where we are, either if there are some state and local courts you're working in, in some cases as an expert witness or federal? Is there any hope of getting some sort of angle of this in the courts? Yes, and we have had some court wins. They've been local, uh, small court wins here and there where somebody has challenged um, an exemption. For, most states do have exemptions, um, and where there have been challenges, for the most part that I'm aware of, uh, those people have won their challenges against their employers uh, for wrongfully terminating them due to violation of an exemption, things like that. So we have had some positive wins at the local levels. Um, at the national level, but you're right, I mean, most judges don't want to touch this. And, and the problem is, let's just get real and let's just peel back the layers This goes back to attorneys. Attorneys have driven me crazy over the last two and a half years. Well, they've driven me crazy for a lot longer than that. But over the last two and a half years, attorneys have directed people to do things that follow these ridiculous, unscientific, and unconstitutional CDC mandates because they don't want their clients to get into trouble. And so they've told Mm. them to do things they shouldn't do. So business owners are just going along with what their attorneys say. And no attorneys, or very few that I'm aware of, are willing to pick up the fight when somebody needs defense uh, for their company, you know, wrongfully terminating them over not being able to wear a mask or, you know, their company um, mandating, not not allowing their exemptions, et cetera. Very few attorneys will even pick up that fight, which is why we haven't seen a lot of progress in the courts on those cases. But we have made some great gains. And um, I know, I think I updated you on this, but I can't remember. There's so much going on. If I didn't, I apologize. Um, But we had some really big wins, even at the Supreme Court level against OSHA and the Biden administration with the mandates that they were trying to implement for COVID. So what happened was um, OSHA tried to implement, tried to create a permanent COVID-19 standard. Well, you can't just go make a new standard. You have to follow the regulatory rulemaking process, which is different than the legislative process of how a bill passes through Congress or through a state legislative body. Um, So what happened was the Biden administration attempted to weaponize a regulatory agency and told OSHA, go make me the COVID-19 standard because I want one. I want to use you, weaponize you to enforce my policies on the entire country. So OSHA started doing it. And they were outside of their jurisdiction, just like the executive branch does not have the authority to go tell a regulatory agency what to do. And this is how the Supreme Court correctly ruled. The agency itself was outside of their authority by attempting to uh, implement permanent vaccine or testing requirements on all businesses and uh, create a permanent COVID-19 standard. And they did not go through the regulatory rulemaking process. So I was actually asked with one of my colleagues, Kristen Megan, uh, to provide written testimony um, on the merits of that case to the Supreme Court. And we heard attorney Scott Keller read some of those merits, some of our testimony, and we were successful in stopping that um, at the federal level. So the court correctly ruled that the Biden administration was violating their statutory authority. They did not have the authority to do what they were doing. And number two, they ruled that the agency was outside of their authority and they were not following the regulatory rulemaking process, nor did they have jurisdiction over vaccines. Um, that, that falls into the HHS and FDA wheelhouse. So we got a big win there. And then what happened right on the heels of that, the Biden administration attempted to weaponize the EPA doing the same thing. Go make me a new carbon emission standard on all businesses because I want one. So we had just set case precedents on this in the, in the Supreme Court, and so we got another big win for businesses. So there were two very big wins for freedom um, with the court ruling correctly according to the rule of law and according to process. Um, so, you know, there are big things happening behind the scenes, but really it's at the local levels, at yes. the schools, 
our businesses that we have to shake things up and we have to get the information. And as parents and as employees, as business owners and as citizens, we simply have to continue to be very loud and disruptive and refuse to comply. That's the only way we've been able to push this back to this point, because those of us out there who have refused to comply, who've refused to sit down and shut up, have made so many waves and we've been so disruptive that we're winning. But we can't take our foot off the gas right now. We can't take our foot off the gas. And to me, that destination where I want to get, the courts are not going to get us there. Because as you mentioned, even the victories, mm-hmm. they're, you know, and, and you really were involved in that. And, and look, I, I don't care what angle we use. But at the end of the day, it was, okay, federal agencies, statutory authority. But it wasn't the mm-hmm. fact that it was, we, we codified in the body politic that this is illegal, immoral, inhumane, um, and illogical, and it's got to stop. Um, it was that, yeah, that, so there's the feds, there's the state, and there's private. So the federal agencies are beyond their their scope of authority. But that's not categorical. At the end of the day, you, you know, I, I have my book out, Rise of the Fourth Reich. And by the way, folks, you could still um, pre-order it and get the first chapter for free right now, trialsandexecution.com. At the last chapter, I have a list of policy demands, and I want to get your take on this to move it from kind of the legal side to the political side. You're in Michigan. Uh, Republicans control the legislature, and you know, hopefully you'll get the governorship there, but a lot of states, they already have yeah. the trifecta you know, in 20 or so states. I, to me, I don't understand. Isn't it simple? We should have a constitutional amendment in all the states, and if it's too hard to get that immediately, at least statutorily, that – a categorical ban on certainly public, but also private the same way we would if you, you know, any human rights abuse that we do when we codify in law, uh, much less the uh, discrimination accommodations that, that are all over state and federal law that no one could ever force another human being in any setting to do it, you know, cause it never would ever harm another human being not to do it because that other human being has the right to wear their own thing and criminal penalties for those who force it particularly on children. What sort of effort is being done to work the state legislatures this coming session to get this done? Oh, I'm working very hard. I'm That's actually my focus. I'm targeting the legislature um, in, here in Michigan, and I'm working with legislators from around the country. In fact, uh, the only people that I invited personally to attend the professional taping of this summit were legislators, <clears throat> excuse me, those who are currently sitting um, in elected positions in the House or the Senate, or those who are incoming freshmen. And I reached out to them. Of course, I've, got, I've developed good relationships with them, and I've invited them to come and sit and hear the facts hear the data, hear the science, recognize the true experts, and recognize proper protocol moving forward because it is our legislators who are key to preventing this ever from happening again in the future. So it was really a privilege to have a lot of the legislators there, and for six hours they sat just stone still, speechless. And after that, when it was over, we were doing photo ops and things like that and had a little social time. They thanked me profusely They thanked me for educating them. They thanked me for working with them. And every one of them said, I look forward to working with you in the future. That's the key right there. We've got to stay connected and and develop good relationships with our legislators because they have got to put people in position and our governors. They are really key. Uh, The good governors who will listen, who will listen to sound reason and not and not be bought by the globalist money coming in to fund their campaigns, because then they're just going to, they're just going to fall like a puppet and parrot whatever narrative they're told to parrot so they can receive this money. We've got to hold them accountable and work with them directly. And um, really the other thing too, is like, if you look at Ron DeSantis and you look at the team that he's surrounded by, he's got a pretty good team. The directors of the health departments, the directors, the, the AGs, the attorney generals, the prosecutors, um, we've got to put people in position who are qualified to be in that position. For example, here in Michigan, we had uh, Robert Gordon, who is the director of the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, and he was a banker. He's a financial guy. He knew absolutely nothing about pandemic response and protocol. And so what is he doing in a position like that? He bumbled his way through it because he had no credentialing or professional knowledge or experience to rely on during a time of crisis 
which is the yep. position he was in to lead. So that's there is hope there because we in Michigan, and I know this is happening around the country, have just had major wins with our primaries. We are sweeping school boards. We are sweeping county commissions. We've, we've flipped so many county commissions red and replaced these commissioners, these rhino commissioners and these, you know, uh, impotent, paralyzed commis- commissioners who will do nothing. They did not protect the people. They did not stop the schools from doing what they did. Um, they could have stood up and, and stopped all of that in their county, and they didn't. And they allowed it and to we, go, and this was in the reddest yeah. counties. We saw this yes, all over the yes. place, and you're so that's correct right. on that, and that's why we yep. can't just focus on all, oh, take over the House. They'll say, well, we don't have the Senate and the presidency. I mean, I'll still push, you know, right? we'll, get, we'll get someone like a Marjorie Taylor Greene to, like, you know, criminalize yep. all mass mandates, but at the end of the day, it's going to have right. to be done at at the local level, and we need to work in the state legislatures. And I would just sum up what you're saying. I mean, this is – certain things you can just skate by with a little bit of a reprieve. Okay, they started this. Okay, we're kind of like mainly done with it now. Something this harmful – there's so many dimensions to it. It's the physical harm. It's it's the – symbolism of 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 obsequiousness to tyranny it's the transhumanism that we're not created in the image of god with a face that we're all just a qr barcode there's so much to this this is why the who and the wef they're so into this and they're never going to let this go this is a force multiplier issue for tyranny it's not even just about health it's about so much so you can't be just like oh well okay you know it used to be you couldn't even move anywhere without a mask and now mainly most places you could without it for for the time being no that's part of the grooming of the new normal you know that you do something so absurd and so harmful that you know you kind of um you know, you go 100 yards and then you ease it back 60. You're like, wow, whew, that feels pretty good. Like, I feel relieved right. from that. And and you don't realize you actually just gradually, and not even so gradually, lost your freedom. And then, and then you know, now, now they have new field position first down from that yeah. new position that the next winter, oh, okay, so now it's already, you know, fully done in healthcare settings and certain schools and, and so the military – um, okay, well, now we're going to take it from there. Okay, so where, you know, again, I'm like, I get heartbreaking emails. You know, someone emailed me recently yeah. from Lockheed Martin that they're they're acquiring it. Um, this is not over with. A lot of schools in, in some urban areas, including red states, by the way, um, some big cities still still have it. Yeah. Do, do you have a website well, yet with the frontline industrial hygienists where yeah. people could reach out? No, we're working on that. We don't have the website for that done yet, but at StandUpMichigan.com, you can watch the summit. You can email me at Tammy, it's T-A-M-M-Y, at StandUpMichigan.com. And I would just encourage people, uh, don't give in. I know we're all tired, and I know it's been a long two and a half years, but we have to remember the big picture here is that they're trying to keep this front and center, and they won't take this particular control off of the off of our um, that you know they're keeping it front and center because the ultimate goal is that social credit score. And with the passing of executive order, I believe it's one four six zero seven. I don't quote me on that. It's 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 close to that. But uh, this is why we have eighty seven thousand new IRS agents hired. They are moving us towards the implementation of this social credit score, where all of your health, uh, obedience, compliance to measures is you know you will you will have access to buying and selling and things like that there's a much bigger picture going on here but that's why they will not let the masks go so i would encourage everybody to dig in stand taller speak louder because we have to recognize what's really going on behind this uh, to protect our children and to stop this so you know and we would appreciate too if you don't mind me plugging this we have spent a lot of money over the last couple of years on our own time and our own dime and we created a um, GoFundMe fundraiser to help offset the cost. All of these experts have flown in from around the country. Kristen and I and our colleagues have been testifying to fight these things, to fight for the people. Um, and we have just be- recently created um, a GoFundMe to help offset these costs, to help us to continue to help you. Yes. So we just ask people, if you can just skip a coffee and donate $5, if everybody listening did that, it would cover the cost of this summit. The production of it is thousands of dollars alone. Um, so that is the, the um, link is tinyurl.com forward slash IH summit. So that's it. IH is an industrial hygienist, IH uh, summit. 
And, I ate some it. And, and you guys mm-hmm. have been traveling all around testify before state legislatures and, yes. and school boards yes. and obviously court cases. I thank you so yes. much for, for not letting this go. I'm not going to let this go either because they're not letting it thank go. You. And again, the lesson today is exactly. equal and opposing force, equal and opposing force. You have to fight back for righteousness with at least as much indefatigable energy, intrepid principles as they're fighting for their evil. This is so That's immoral. Right. I can't believe it has gone on this far, and we still haven't fully uprooted it at all. Let's do this. We're about out of time. Tammy, thanks so much for joining us today. And folks, I'm going to be out again Thursday. We'll be back for a show Friday. So kind of staggering here. You could kind of hear World War II, three in the background with my kids here. So got to run. Tammy, you're the best. Till tomorrow, folks. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for joining us and God bless you all. And thank you for listening.